Welcome, everybody. As you can see, I am not Pastor Brady. He's in Colorado, as I said, so if you bought a ticket to hear him, I apologize you got me. But uh, I was actually able to speak a couple weeks ago, for those of you that were here, and uh, when that first came up, I didn't know this Wednesday was coming up. Uh, but it worked out great. I decided to turn it into a little mini two-part series. So if you were here that time, it'll make sense to you. I think it'll make sense anyway, but we're just going to continue where we picked off back then. You know, two weeks ago, I talked about about happiness and optimism, really just about our mood, you know, about our minds, having a mindset that we can be happy and we can be, We really, it makes us more fun to be around, doesn't it? You know, we can have a positive outlook on life, a positive outlook on things that we address, positive outlook on the people that we come before. Now, tonight we're going to get a little bit deeper and get into the spiritual optimism and what spiritually we can expect from the Lord. So we're going to get deeper into the heart issues with this and talk a little bit more about joy. Two weeks ago, I specifically said I'm not touching on that, but that was before I knew I got to talk tonight. So so we'll continue with that. So we're going to focus on the spirit. We're going to have... How can we have a heart that is filled with joy? How can we have a uh, optimism in our spirit about everything in our life and how it's going to go? How can we trust in the Lord and his promises and the good things that he's offered to us? And uh, similar to last time, I think we can build habits so that we know what's coming to us and we don't slip away from taking hold of what God has to offer us, which we all know is so much. Uh, I've mentioned several times when I've had a chance to speak or get, bring a message, my favorite chapter of the Bible is John chapter 3. You know, and I think everybody that reads the Bible probably has some portion that they find comfort in. You know, They might find happiness in or they find John chapter 3 for me is like if you're having a bad time in life, I can go to that. If I have a good time in life, I can go to that. I just simply love to go back to that. It brings me peace. But despite how many times I've read it, hundreds or thousands, I don't know, you can still find new pieces, right? New things touch you. And just last week, preparing for this, something hit me in that that really changed the direction of where I want to go tonight. Uh, John 3, 3, where Jesus is having this conversation, the whole chapter is he's having a conversation with Nicodemus. And 3, 3 says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Pretty popular scripture. It's the start of the conversation that gets to John 3.16. That's probably the most quoted Bible verse there is. But he says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And I have always read that and just not really glossed it over because I love that phrase. But I've always thought of this as it's a little bit of a message on salvation. You know, that unless you're born again, you're not saved. You're not going to see the kingdom of God. And for whatever reason, when I read it last week, thinking ahead what I was going to talk about for this, it just hit me that he's not even talking about heaven here. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He's talking about the now. We're in the kingdom of God. We're in it now. This is God's kingdom. Now, why do I know that? Fifty-four times in the gospel, 54, Jesus said the phrase kingdom of God. 54 times. Now, I think it even alludes back to, he didn't use the phrase the same, but in the Lord's Prayer, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God's will is meant to happen here. It's obviously going to happen in heaven. That's not even up for discussion. He's talking about now. 
He wants his will. He wants what he wants now. He wants us to have what he has now. He wants heaven on earth for us now. And we must be born again to see that. Fifty-four times. When he speaks about these in the 54 times, he's talking about a lot of references. He's talking about healing. He's talking about joy. He's talking about happiness. He's talking about you succeeding in life. He's given us all these different lessons on it. It's all ours for the taking. He's telling us that we can have health. We can have happiness. We can have joy. We can have success. We can have wealth. All of our dreams can come true here if we take it right. Now, I think you all understand this, but we were not put here to suffer, right? I mean, that's not God's will for us to suffer. God's children aren't meant to, I'm going to trudge through this life. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to sulk down here. And if I'm all pious and quiet and humble and lower my head to everybody and live in poverty, then someday I'll be rewarded in heaven. And there's some sects of Christianity that almost teach that. But I can't find anywhere in the Bible that says that's what he wants. And it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense for your father to want you to live that way. We can have a much better life here on earth. Now, that doesn't mean there won't ever be anything bad that happens. That doesn't mean that there will never be suffering. That doesn't mean that a person will never get sick. But it does mean that God doesn't want that for us. You know, suffering, sadness, sickness, illness, bad lives, none of that was introduced by God. You know, that was introduced by the enemy back in the garden. And we humans played along the best we could by bringing sin into our lives so that those things could come. But it didn't have to be our destiny. It didn't have to be our life. And it doesn't have to be now. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says that if we've accepted Jesus in our hearts, if we know Jesus, if we're born again, it says, then the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That is powerful to me. That is powerful that we have that much power and I don't want to speak for all of you. Sometimes I forget that. I'm sure none of you do, and you use that power every moment of your lives. Sometimes it gets away from me. So when I make this message tonight or when I'm speaking what God wanted me to talk about, I'm talking to myself, I guess, because, man, I need to remember that. The power that took Jesus off the cross, and on the third day he arose from death and walked out of that tomb and the word tells us that's the exact same spirit living in you this very moment. Amen. That is not the spirit of poverty. That is not the spirit of sickness. That is not the spirit of sadness. That is not the spirit of despair. That's not what's meant to be in us. I mean, we, we all know people like this. And some of them are Christians, unfortunately, that, oh, if I could just get through this life. If I can just trudge my way to the end, I'm destined to be sick. I was just dealt a bad hand. I got an unhealthy body. You know, I, I was just dealt a bad hand. I'm supposed to live down here. You know, there's people that live up here, but not me. I'm going to live down here because that's the hand I was dealt. I don't have any friends. 
Nobody likes me. I can't ever get a good job. You ever listen to people that speak like that? Say, stop whining. Stop it. That's not your destiny. That's not what God wants for you. That's not what you have to have. But I will give you a little secret. For people that talk like that, they are 100% right. Because they've talked that right into existence. I'm, I'm poor. Yeah, you are, because you just keep talking about it. I've got an unhealthy body. Yep, you do. You just keep talking about it. I'll never get through this. I'm full of despair. Yes, you're right. Stop whining, and you might move past it. Read what God's word says about it. That's not a bad thing to say. You're giving me dirty looks. That's not mean, is it? Y'all understand what I'm talking about, right? Okay, good. Stop that mentality. Stop it. You're talking yourself into that life. Let's talk ourselves out of that life. It doesn't have to be that way. God didn't put those thoughts in you either. Those are ungodly thoughts. Are there any parents in here? Most of us, right? There's a few that aren't. Okay. Do you know any parent in the world that wants their kid to suffer? To be sick? To be hurting? To be sad? To be lonely? To be poor? Name it. No parents want that. Well, why would God the Father want that? It's an irrational thought, honestly. It's not biblical. It's not correct. And I think we all know that, but we're going to get into how we can deal with that and make sure that we don't fall into that trap. So, you know, John 10.10, great quote, Jesus came that we may have a life and to have it more abundantly. That's what God wanted for us. You know, sign me up for that one. That's a way better deal. Sickness, strife, poverty, depression, anxiety, stress, you know, those are the enemy's plan. That's what the enemy came to do. It's the opposite of what God wanted. We allowed that into our lives when we allow sin into our lives. Adam and Eve introduced it for us. Thanks, guys. Not that we would have done any better. But our flesh went that direction, and that's what brought it into our world. But it doesn't have to be there. And fortunately, as we know, God intervened. He gave us a second chance. Through his son, he sent Jesus so that all of those things can be laid on him. When he went to the cross, he could take all those things for us so that as we walked away, we don't have those anymore. Our burden is light because we've put it on him. That's the blueprint that I want to follow. I'm not super smart, but those things don't sound very good. But the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that came from God's spirit, it's a way better plan. Get me going on that way. So everybody in this sanctuary knows those things. But because we live in flesh, because we live in this world, sometimes our boat can get a little off course. Sometimes we can get a little out of whack. You know, sometimes things get a little messed up where we start even doubting things or thinking things. Maybe none of you, but I do. So in case you do, pay attention. We're going to discuss how we can get through some of those things or how we can avoid it. How that we can make sure that got an alarm. <laughs> I thought it was me at first. So, How can we make sure that our faith makes us new? You know, how can we make sure that we don't fall into this trap? 
How can we have a new thinking, a transformation? In short, how can we walk this out? How can we walk this out? Everybody's in agreement what we want. Everybody's in agreement what we want to avoid. So how can we do that? Is there a plan we can follow to make sure that we don't slip? So, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. If you flip to that, frankly, the whole rest of the message, we're going to base this off of this because this has some good stuff in it. Paul writes to the Romans, chapter 12, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Why is it a reasonable service? Well, it's pretty reasonable that we offer ourselves to God when he just sent his son to the cross for us. That's what makes it a reasonable service. It's reasonable that we try to please him because of that. And it says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if we present ourselves as representatives of him, that we live in a way that is acceptable, which, as Paul said, is reasonable for us to do, considering what he did for us, I like to think of it as this. If we do our part, he will do his part. You know, we have some work to do in this transaction. He's saying, if you do this, that's where he steps in. But then we have to be able to go out and claim what is ours. We have to state claim to these things that he is offering us. We have to claim the peace. We have to claim the joy. We have to claim the health. We have to speak into existence what we want our lives to be instead of whining about the things that they are when we're unhappy with them. So let's break down this scripture, the first part in verse 2 where he says, Be not conformed to this world. Step one, be not conformed to this world. We live in this world, right? Like This is our location. This is where we were put. We were put in this flesh. But we don't have to be of the world. It's simply a location. We don't have to allow ourselves to be a part of it in a way that separates us from God's kingdom, which is also located here. We can't be in both places. We can't live of the world and in God's kingdom. You can't ride on two horses with one rear end. You know, you're going to have to pick one or the other. And if you try to go back and forth between the two, well, you're going to crash your horses. Okay? You have to make a decision, and you have to learn how to stay on that course the whole time, which is what we're going to get into. You know, there's a friend of mine that I had tried to witness to a couple times. I say tried. I didn't just try. I did it. But I I don't know how successful I was because he was sort of complained about how his life was going. And I said, you know, there's there's more. You know, there's more than just who you're dating right now or what your job is right now or what party you went to last Tuesday because he went to all of them, even on Tuesdays. Like, there's actually more than that. You know, there is more you can do. And his answer to me, which tells you how unsuccessful I was, I wasn't very persuasive, is he says, Joe, all I care about right now is having as much fun as I can all the time. I mean, that's just the ultimate story of somebody living in the flesh. You know, I mean, it's, there's, just, there's just no long-term view and I even think when you're trying to have fun in every single moment like that, that you're really not even that happy. I'm not a psychiatrist, but like you're trying to hide something. Like 
you're not satisfied because what do you need? You need more. <laughs> Whatever you got. You have one girlfriend, he needed three. You have a little money, I need more. You had four beers, he needs 12. You know, he just he needed more, more, more because he wasn't satisfied. And we see some people like this that attack the world in that way. And occasionally you look at them as like, man, that actually works for them. I mean, look at that. They're rich. They have a nice house. They, he has a pretty wife. He has a good job. Like this guy's got the world by the tail, right? I think if you ever get to know those people, there's probably a little bit of something missing in their lives. I don't think it's always quite that simple. I don't think they're always, you know, movie stars fall into this where it's like, man, they got the world figured out. Then you read enough, it's like, I don't think they do. <laughs> I mean, they're famous, they have money, but they don't have it figured out. I just read a book, pastor gave me to read, and it's about Steve McQueen. I don't know what it's called. Steve McQueen's a little before my time, but, I mean, he was the king of cool in the 60s and early 70s. I wasn't born until 73, so I kind of missed his, the height of his fame. It's an interesting book because he lived his life that way. He had an awful childhood, terrible upbringing. Uh, but he wanted to become a movie star, and he did. You know, he got famous. He's at the top of his profession, the most famous action star at the time. He's ultra-wealthy, goes through a, through a few different wives, you know, Hollywood famous wives. And But clearly in his life, something was missing, and he could even admit that. By the end of his career, he was a hermit. I mean, he was living in a house as a hermit, not letting anybody around because he was so lost at where he was. And it has a happy ending because he found God. There's some people witness to him in the last three or four years of his life. He was a very devout Christian. He was saved, and it changed his whole life. And he could admit that, like, this is what I was missing. You know, I seemingly had it all, but I didn't. Now, he tragically died of cancer at a young age, but fortunately, he got it figured out before the end. You know, biblically, it kind of reminds me of Solomon, right? Solomon, you know, David's son, King Solomon, and when Solomon was presented to offer from God. He's chosen by God to be king and says, like, what can I do for you? I'll give you whatever you want. What did Solomon say? Wisdom. He said, give me wisdom. Pretty clever. You know, he didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for a bigger castle. He chose wisdom. Now, because of that wisdom, and it was pleasing to God, God made him what we know to be the richest man in the history of the world. He built the temple. I mean, Solomon's pretty key figure in the Bible. But what happened to Solomon as he started gaining that fame and wealth? He got a little out of whack. He started trying to ride the two horses with one rear end. So Solomon goes through this period. They said at one point, they estimate he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, Solomon was living a party hedonistic lifestyle. Now, he's someone that we learn about in the Bible, but he had to go through this time but as his life went on, he started to discover that that's not working. That's not bringing me true happiness. That's not the answer to life. That's not what you're after. You know, the more money, the more fame, the more wealth, the more palaces, the more wives, the more concubines. That, that was not the answer. At the very end, you can read all that in Ecclesiastes. It's a great book. But at the very end of his life, you know, he's writing Ecclesiastes. And that whole book, you get back to the chelp. 12th chapter and he summarizes remember this is a wise man i mean god granted him his wisdom he had the spirit of god in him to say this and at the end his conclusion in ecclesiastes 12:13, he says fear god and keep his commandments for this is man's all 
You know, we can chase everything in this world, but it's not the answer. There's some things I like in this world. Am I alone on that? I mean, I, I get it. But it has to be done unto God. We have to be separate. You know, I said earlier, God doesn't want you poor, for example. God doesn't care if you have money. He's not mad if you're rich. He's mad if your heart's not in the right place. Do you use it to honor him or do you use it to honor your flesh? Do you use it to feed things of this world? Or do you live in the kingdom of God while you use the funds? Are you obedient to him or aren't you obedient to him? God wants the good things for us. Just make sure you're living in the correct world. Second step from Romans. Besides not being conformed to this world, he said, be transformed. Be transformed. You have to keep changing until you get to where you're supposed to be with him. Your habits, your patterns, your way of doing things, your, your line of thinking has to be different than it was before you knew God. There has to be a noticeable change. There has to be a true and there has to be a lasting change. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That old guy before you met Jesus, he has to be gone. He's passed away. He's not there anymore. That guy who was depressed can't be there anymore. The guy that was sad can't be there anymore. The guy that felt he was destined to be sick and poor and in a bad mood his whole life, he can't be anymore. It says he's passed away. He's not a part of us. All things are new. And we need to see that he stays passed away. He's like one of those living dead people. They seem to come back to you sometimes. So we have to purpose that that doesn't happen. We have to walk it out that we can we can purposefully live our life that our old person doesn't sneak into our new person, the one that God created. You know, we all have that moment when you first get saved. You know, it's like, oh, I got it. You know, I got it. I'm set. Did you all have it that simple? And then nothing attacked you from your past after that? No, it takes some work. It takes some purpose, it takes some real thought, it takes some habit building to know that that's not going to come back on you. We've all seen it. I mean, we've seen, uh, I brought up during the offering the camp, like the kids come back fired up, right? And it's not fake. I'm not suggesting that that's not real. But uh, do all your kids act like that 30 weeks later, necessarily? No, it, the old creeps in. You know, they go, they go back to school, they go back to their friends, they go back to... Living in the world we live in, and the old kind of creeps back in, even though there was a new. And we've all seen people that uh, they go to a tent revival, or they go to a men's conference, or they go to a women's conference, and they get all fired up, man. They are excited. They are on fire for the Lord on Sunday. And by Monday, they're trudging through life again, you know. Fired up on Sunday, beat down on Monday. That didn't last, so what can we do to make it last? 
Well, I go back to this. It creates building habits. It creates things that you're going to do that you consciously say. Like a couple weeks ago, I talked about your mood. Consciously wake up in a mood. Write yourself a note. Do whatever you got to do. But when you wake up each morning, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to read this passage of scripture because I love it, because I am not going to let the old man get back into my new man. I'm not going to do it. I left him behind, so I've got to do something that I can go forward in God's spirit all the time and not let it creep back into me. I need to change my attitude permanently towards him to know that this is what I'm going to do. Personally, I don't know how you can do that if you're not in the word. To me, that's the simplest technique to do it to start. I can, I'll go back to my example. I love reading John chapter 3. I could read it every morning if I wanted to. There's times I have because that's what resets me. That's what just reminds me of where I'm supposed to be that day. Remind yourself, don't let it slip away. You got to work at the change. You know, as we try to go back and forth, uh, if you don't make a real change, just, I love this scripture when I was working with kids. First John 2, 4, it says, John writes, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's my big fat liar head scripture. So, you know, anybody that says they love the Lord, but they don't keep his commandments and we can't see any noticeable change in them, they're a big fat liar head. You know, you can't be both. You had to move on. You had to, you had to make a noticeable change. Has anybody in here ever sinned before you were saved? You've sinned after you saved too. I'm going to mention that. But if you lived a certain lifestyle and you didn't know God, and then you got saved, what it, maybe it was an aha moment. I'll be honest, for me, it took some time. Like, I was stubborn. I started going to church. I had a relative who was witnessing to me. I went to his church. It took me about a year to turn the corner. And then I had the aha moment. It took me some time. It wasn't just like I heard it once. Maybe I'm not very smart and it took a while to pick it up. I don't know. But I got there eventually. But after that moment, everybody has a moment if they've been saved, if they've accepted Jesus into their life. If nothing changed in your life, nothing. According to John, you're a big fat liar head. Something's not right there. We need true and lasting change. We need a real transformation. Now, to address the sin after you've been saved, has anybody sinned after they were saved? It's, but it's different if you're not living in a life of sin. That doesn't make it okay, but you understand, you notice. Frankly, you notice it more after you're saved. <laughs> I, I was like, man, I didn't realize how big of a jerk I was until I got saved. I got a lot to work on. You notice it more. You know that that's not God's will. Then you know it's true. Change is hard. So you're going to have to change your expectations, change your attitude, and make sure that you get yourself right and purpose to work on it and establish the habit. I think they say if you do something for 21 straight days, you've got to have it. might take me longer than that out of stubbornness, but you've got to work at it. You're not going to get saved one day and the next day everything's going to be perfect. You're going to have to work on it, even if you've been saved for a long time. Purpose to make the change lasting. All right, the next step in... This verse from Romans, it says, and you have to renew your mind. Renew your mind. I love that word renew. Uh, it didn't say get a new mind. It said renew your mind. It's like taking it back to its original state is what I think of when I read that. And I kind of like that. Uh, 
you kind of have to renovate it. You have to bring it back. I have a, <laughs> back to its original state. Over in my office, I have this scanning printer thing, little biz hub set up. And all my business I conduct in my office, I have to scan it in there, and it emails it to me on my computer. Then I send it to the company via email or download the document, upload it. Starting about two weeks ago, I started having trouble, and it wasn't scanning correctly. So I hired a computer guy to come fix it, and he didn't. Uh, he, he showed up. He just didn't fix it. So then I was like, I'll do it myself. You know, I sit there one afternoon for hours reading this book and going through. And anyway, one of the choices with this was reset to the factory settings. You know, it's really take away everything you've done in the last three years you own this thing. We're just going to start over. Reset it to factory settings so that you can then reprogram it and make sure it's doing what you want it to do. It's kind of scary with my printer. But I think that's what we need to do. When we renew our mind, we have to get back to the factory settings. We have to get back to God's settings. Who built us? God. What were his settings? That's where I need my mind to go back to. You know, a couple weeks ago, if you weren't here, if you were here, this is the review. If you weren't here, I talked about we are not equipped. Human beings, I will argue, are not equipped or able to deal with stress, depression, anxiety, negative things. We're not equipped for it. I don't even think we can do it. I think people that we say handle it well, they don't handle it well. They don't handle it. They've learned to accept God's instruction and to just simply put it off. Why do I believe this so strongly? Well, because God created man. It says God created us in their image. And I did say there because the Bible says uh, in Genesis, it says that let us make man, let us make man in our image. Jesus and the Holy Spirit were there back then too. Just a little side note, that one was free. If we were created in God's image, where were we created to live? We, we were in the garden. We were in commune with God. Until we introduced sin, until we messed everything up on this earth, until man messed it up, I mean, this was God's kingdom and there wasn't sin. There wasn't negative things. There wasn't death. So if that's what he built us to do, I argue we're not equipped for that. The only way we can deal with it is the fact that we have Jesus to deal with it, that we can lay it on him. At the cross, we can get rid of it. So when we renew our minds, when we take them back to the factory setting, that is a factory setting that, like I just said, is in commune with God. It's his setting. It's, we are linked to him as our creator, as our father, and when we can get our minds to go back to that point, that everything we do is God first, God pleasing with God, I promise you your life's going to go a lot smoother. Renew your minds back to that point. In Genesis, going back to that, when God finished everything, he says, I have given you everything. And what was it? And it is good. That's what we were prepared for. That's what our minds were meant to deal with. And that's what he wants to give us in our kingdom of God. So our spiritual transformation as we go through this, we had to remove ourselves from the world. We had to make a real change, and we had to renew our minds back to that. We have to make sure our hearts and minds are in tune with what God wants. Separate from the world, 
You know, when we choose, our minds are focused on the world, which I, I got to believe everybody in here has dealt with this at points. I, I still fight it. The world changes every day. I mean, we're getting tossed back and forth and what's the neatest trend and what's the latest thing and what are we being told in the media today or by our friends today. I mean, you agree, it's just it, too many things are coming at us. And that's why I keep saying we're not really equipped to deal with that very well. But when we renew our minds back to the kingdom of God, it's a much simpler life. You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody in here ever dealt with stress or anxiety? Or you can raise your hand. Guys, hand that to him. You don't have to. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to have it. He said so. It's his. We can let that go when we renew ourselves to him, when we put ourselves in commune with God, his kingdom. We won't deal with that. Will anything bad ever come at you? Yes. Do your part and then hand it to him. Then trust him. Don't let it sit in you. You know, to renew your mind like that, you have to really change what your expectations are in life. You know, because I, I started by talking about God wants good things for us, right? Like, I really believe that. He says so. He wants it more abundant. So you're going to have to renew your mind to change it to that. You know, if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. You need to address it differently. Like, I'm always sick. Okay, what have you done about it? Like, what, how, how have you addressed that mentally? I just, I can't get a good job. Okay, what have you done about it? What have you changed? You know, if you want the output to be different, you better change the input. And God's way is a pretty good input. Mix it up a little bit. You know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. I think we've all kind of done that. But if you've struggled with one of these things, if any of these negative things has been a part of your life for the last one year, two years, ten years, lifetime, I'm begging you, try something different. Try God's way. See what happens. Put your trust in him and see what happens. Lay your job before him and see what happens at your job. Lay your kids' troubles before him and see what happens with your kids. Lay your loneliness before him and see what happens with it. Because he's promised us that he wants more than that. So, we need change in our mind, in our hearts, and we'll move on this. All right. Move on to the last part of this scripture. And it says that we need to live out God's will for our life. Paraphrasing what it said in Romans. We need to live out what his will is for our life. So once that you've changed your way of thinking, once you've stopped conforming to the world, once you've renewed your mind, once you've made these real changes, you're going to hit on the habits again. You have to walk it out. You have to uh, recognize that God's position is at the top of everything you think about, the top of all the decisions you make. And when you start to reorganize so that God's kingdom is at the top of all these choices as you walk those out we will see what god's will for you truly is you know he says he wants a more abundant life for us right i kind of undersold that a little bit i'm going to read another one uh in ephesians chapter 3 14 to 21 paul writes he says for this reason i bow my knees to the father of our lord jesus christ 
from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to close here shortly. Praise and worship if you want to come back up, Karen, and your group. I'll be done here real shortly. Let's digest this just a little bit, this part, this scripture. It's a lot of verses. It says that his will, his will, what God wants is for us to be strengthened with might through his spirit all the way to our inner man. He wants us strong with the power of the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus as we talked about. He wants that strengthened in us so that he is dwelling in our hearts and that we are rooted and grounded in love and that we can know and comprehend the enormousness of his love for us so that we may be filled with the fullness of God. I encourage you to go home and read this and put your name in this. This is powerful, what he wants for us. And he wills to do for us, this is great wording, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we even ask or think. Listen to that. Have you ever asked for God for something? Not only does he want you to have that, he wants you to have exceedingly abundantly more than you are even willing to ask or think. You don't think he wants you healthy? You don't think he wants you free from anxiety and stress? You don't think he wants you to have a good job? You don't think he wants you comfortable? You don't think he wants you to have all the good things? That's what our Father wants for us. Now, how can we get that? It's as we went back to earlier. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that level of power has been living in us the whole time. As soon as you turn to him, as soon as you were born again, as soon as you ask Christ into your life, that power resides in you. So you need to walk out of here. You need to get up every morning and whatever it takes to remind yourself of that of the strength that you have, the power you have to have an abundant life, to have a healthy life, to have a stress-free life, to have a happy life, to have everything that you've asked to God. And he's like, you do that, and not only will I give it to you, I will give you more than you even asked for. That's our Father. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.